All right, everybody, welcome to BO Boys for Thursday, June 23rd. Fuck it, it's a raw feed. We are doing it live. I'm Clayton. Yeah, I'm Pat. And Clayton, the streak continues. We have another huge guest on this weekend preview episode of the BO Boys. As promised, here he is. One of our greatest emailers is now going to be one of our greatest co-hosts tonight. One of BO Boy, Austin, is here with us. Austin, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you guys for having me. This is this is an honor. I've been listening to you guys for a long time now. And, you know, I'm really excited to talk this weekend with you guys. Uh, I mean, I love it. We, we love having new blood in here, new young uh, BO analyst. You know, the future is bright with someone like Austin and Austin, just before we went on air, just something that really struck me. You, you said that you're currently doing a re-listen of the BO boys and where are you at right now in your, in your re-listen of, of past episodes right now? I'm in August of 2020, early August of 2020. Wow. Wow. I, I mean, I, I love it. I love that people are finally at the point where they're, they're ready to relive 2020 at least through the box office listen it was a fascinating time but uh you know that was uh uh of course jurassic park was at the top of the box office and look how things change here we are two years later and what's at the top of the box office jurassic park dominion what is that yeah dominion is this one jurassic world dominion jurassic world dominion of course um though Maybe not for long, because we have a lot of big challengers at the box office this weekend. So we'll get to that. Um, Before we look ahead, just some quick looking back. Austin, I got to ask you, you know, we did a whole episode on it, on the debacle that was the light year opening weekend. But we'd love to get your thoughts. What the hell happened with light year opening up with a $50 million three day? Why do you think? Is it the Tim Allen factor? Is it that... (laughs) They they didn't just have the movie be the toy. What 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 happened? As the youngsters' perspective, I think honestly, this is something I was kind of thinking about for a little bit. I think the marketing really dropped the ball on this one. I think this was actually a really solid pitch. Chris mm-hmm. Evans as a new version of Buzz Lightyear that actually is pretty good. Like I was like, okay, that is you know Chris Evans. He can be a star as a character like that. You know, you put him in a little drama. He's not really worth much, but you put him as Buzz Lightyear. That's a big deal. But I think like the trailers told this weird line of, you know, maybe looking a little too intense for little kids, but also looking a little too kiddy for like older audiences, which is why I was really surprised when you guys said that it was like more than half of the audience was like 18 to 34. I was like, wait, what? Like, I thought this would be a real like kitty kind of play, but yeah, I think the marketing never really connected with it. I think there was a little too much competition too. I mean, we kind of see this a couple times sometimes where it's like one, two, three big movies open on top of each other. I always think back to what really blew me away when I was like a kid and I was following this kind of stuff for a long time was back in 2013, we had like, Iron Man 3 opened to like 180. Then we had like the Great Gatsby blow away projections to like 50 plus. Then we had like Star Trek 2, which opened to like way below projections. And people were just saying there's just 
not as much money to kind of go around. So I think something was bound to fall. And I think if you got Top Gun, which is incredible, Jurassic mm-hmm. World, which is whatever. I mean, it's an easier play for a family of four of different ages to go see, you know, right. Jurassic World. And you got like your, I think the pick was pretty easy on that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it it was crowded and I think you nailed it that the marketing just didn't really target any specific group. You know, it it yeah. it just looked too dark. It didn't look fun. But also then if you're going for adults, adults would rather watch Tom Cruise be in the cockpit than whatever this light year guy is. Yeah. And I know I said it before, and it's going to sound so stupid when I say it now, but just hear me out on it. Of course. Disney is not as strong theatrically as you would think. Mm-hmm. Now, I know a lot of the releases last year were compromised by the the premiere access, whatever that was. But, you know, Black Widow didn't really do that great. Jungle Cruise did not do Like, I was blown away when I saw what the final worldwide total on that film was. Mm-hmm. Eternals was a bomb. Encanto was a bomb. You know, theatrically, then it was huge right. on Disney+. Plus. You know, Doctor Strange, that was a W. But I think Disney, I think in this business, just from what I've always seen with box office, I think you see that now with Paramount and with, you know, Sony a couple months ago, it's all about momentum. Mm -hmm. It's all about how you can kind of build. And I think Disney's just kind of on a little bit of a losing streak right now. I think a lot of their films have disappointed theatrically and Lightyear is kind of no different. You know, the Marvel stuff, that's that's Teflon. That'll Mm -hmm. always do well. No matter what it, you know, unless it's something weird that they just don't connect with. But, you know, a lot of their mainline stuff isn't really connecting as well as it should be. And it doesn't really help when Bob Chapstick is like a buffoon and he's getting into fights with Scarlett Johansson and, you know, eternal people at Pixar. And, you know, his comments over the don't say gay bill, you know, that's getting into a whole other stuff. But. It just, it looks horrible like, yep. from a business perspective. It tanks the and, momentum. And I mean, I know this predates Bob Chapstick, but Bob Chapstick is the one who hasn't been able to get a Star Wars movie going yeah. theatrically. Mm-hmm. You know, like Bob Chapstick at this point, he has tarnished the Pixar brand. He has turned Star Wars into a non-theatrical brand. You know, it's like a TV you said, brand. it's a streaming TV brand now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, under the reign of Bob Chapstick, I don't know, you know, as much as you say, Marvel is a sure thing. Who knows? I mean, yeah. the guy has knocked off Pixar and Star Wars. So if I'm Marvel, you know, that that's as safe as bad as it gets. But who knows if you get a couple of more years of Chapstick there? I mean, I don't know. Marvel, too. It's like. The old stuff is working, you know, Thor, Doctor Strange, mm-hmm. you know, Black Panther is going to be gigantic in November, I think. Right. But you got like two more years of that. I mean, we're on our right. fourth Thor film, you right. know, we're on our, well, I guess, second Captain America, but like the Guardians are done after the next movie. Like, right. like, do people really like the new people as much as they hope they do? Maybe, but I don't know. Right. They couldn't launch Eternals. They launched Shang-Chi, but Eternals was a bust. So, and you know, who knows what Captain Marvel comes back. I mean, it's uh, under Bob Chapstick. I don't think any of these Disney IPs are completely safe. 
And it is interesting. Yeah, Clayton, you know, we we haven't really talked, seen it put in that perspective where Disney overall has been in kind of a slump because the Marvel stuff does sort of paint over it. But when you hear Austin lay it out, that premiere access last summer, that did lower the BO on a lot of things that should have been much bigger. I'd have to think that if the not, well, if the 2010s were Disney's 90s renaissance just mm-hmm. done again, they were right. just on a massive winning streak. I think they're heading for another version of the 2000s for the 2020s. I mean, I think their new cartoon, I mean, it looks fun the strange world or whatever, or the strange new world. Mm-hmm. But I was like, that is going to not do well, like at all. I think at mm-hmm. Thanksgiving, it just, and that's another thing with Lightyear too, is that sci-fi animation mm. really does not work. I think just cause it looks a little like, you know, we know what works in animation and I know a little disrespectful to call just animation as a genre, but like, you know, with these kids films, sci-fi doesn't really work quite as well as, you know, more overtly comedic stuff, right. you know, more family centered stuff, you know, that's why I was like, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's yeah, a little dark. Throw, well, that throwback, you were talking about strange world. I mean, that kind of throwback to serials, that kind of rip roaring, like let's throw it back to the thirties and forties kind of thing that rarely ever ever works so i i'm i'm flummoxed that that is going to be a major release because it's giving you it's giving you shades of treasure planet treasure island right Mm -hmm. no treasure planet right no treasure planet that was it that was a huge uh, sci-fi animated bomb right and what was the other one there was uh it was aquarius something like that there was another disney bomb that was also very similar to that and those Mm kind of things they just don't play well titan ae of course I think the sci-fi animation, it's just, it's, I mean, it's exactly the problem with Lightyear where it's, it's too dark for the kids because space is inherently dark. Space is inherently scary. I mean, the, a plot line of Lightyear is that everyone around him ages and, and he stays the same age. I mean, these space themes are too dark for kids, but then an adult is not going to take these animated space movies seriously. You know, yeah. you're never, you're never light year was never going to be 2001, you know, which just we weren't going to allow it to be that. So why try, you know, and you cannot have princesses in space. You can't have talking cute animals in space. The things that Disney is built on space does not allow those things to exist. Space is cold Space is devoid of princesses. It's devoid of talking animals. So another thing too is that I'd say you know fifty million. That's bad, Mm -hmm. but it is so much worse because somehow this cost two hundred million dollars to make, which is that is irresponsible spending. I yes. think because you see a lot of, and that's what all the other Disney cartoons cost. They got to get those budgets down. I think you got mm-hmm. other cartoons, you know, back in the two 2010s, a lot of those cartoons did cost around, you know, hundred plus 120, 150. Now a lot of them are like around 70 to 80 million. You know, they kind of figured out a way to lower the costs of a lot of these films, mm-hmm. but Disney they're still costing upwards of like 150 million per film, which, you know, they look fantastic. And I'm not saying, you know, short shift your animators, but 
something kind of, if they need to kind of adjust for a post COVID, you know, more of a ceiling for these mm-hmm. films, they got to start lowering these budgets down to something a little bit more manageable. I mean, even 120 would be, you know, 50 million opening, 120 budget. That's still bad, but it's a right. lot less bad than 200 million plus, not including right. marketing. Yeah, exactly. You're never that, the ad spend it was the ad spend was huge for this movie as well. So I mean, this this is a phenomenal disaster for them, and it's getting beats during the week by both Maverick and Jurassic yeah. World. It did mm-hmm. not have an uptick during the week when kids all got out of school. Yeah, I think this weekend, and we'll talk. You know, when we do the top five predictions at the end. But even though it's a kid's film and they usually hold up, even the worst ones, like usually hold up pretty well, especially when there's no kids films opening that weekend. But we just got a whole week of nonstop headlines and all the trades, you know, Variety, Mm -hmm. The Hollywood Reporter, Deadline, especially Deadline, you know, Anthony D'Alessandro going into a whole thing of you just heard nonstop about what happened with Buzz bad buzz yeah whatever you know what i mean and that does affect a film you know no matter how good it is i haven't seen this but i've heard it's you know whatever it's fine but no matter how good a film is if you just got a whole week of an underwhelming opening you are not going to recover in weekend two no. i call it the west side story effect mm-hmm. that film was fantastic it was incredible i thought yeah and it agreed. opened 10 million and you got a whole week of just what happened here like why is this such a disaster and, you know, people don't pay attention to that too hard, you know, average persons. But, you know, you just see that when you're scrolling through whatever on any basic like news feed and you see that headline, you're way less likely to go see it. And West Side Story dropped like 70 percent weekend, too. Yep. You know, I mean, Clayton and I have been saying this since we started the B.O. Boys People don't want to be part of a loser. You know, when we started B.O. Boys, one of the 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 big first weekends we covered was the opening of, and Austin, you, you know what I'm about to yeah. say, Charlie's the Angels. Stewart, Charlie's Angels. And that bombed so hard that it was toast from that point on because people did not want to be associated with Stinker. And I think that applies for kids, too, because... Uh, you know, kids might not be reading Deadline. They might not be reading The Hollywood Reporter. Uh, but w- there's at least one kid on the playground who gets that information, who has an older brother, who reads Deadline, who listens to the B.O. Boys. And that info seeps down to the playground where all these kids know Lightyear bombed. They hear that Buzz is a loser. And when you're a kid... The last thing, you're always on guard. You don't want to be made fun of. You can't have anyone think you're a loser. And a kid's life is, it's it's just nonstop uh, agita. You know, you're always worried about what people think. So once these kids hear that Lightyear is a box office stinker, they're not going to go see Lightyear. They don't want to be seen coming out of that theater. They don't want to be part of a loser. And I think you're right. Lightyear has got painted with that brush. And that is that. It's only going to go down from here. Um. And we're facing and and we got to keep in mind that, you know, we are facing a possible recession. We're looking at all uh, people are going to start not, you know, picking things that they really want to see. This movie is going to end up on Disney Plus very, very quickly. Mm-hmm. And so they all have subscriptions. So they're going to say, why are we wasting our money on this stinker? 
We'll watch it at home. And that's that's death. That's death for a movie like this. Yeah. I went through the whole pandemic pretty much believing that, you know, even with the HBO Max thing, I was like, people are going to go back to their old mm-hmm. habits, okay? I don't know why there were so many stupid articles coming out about, you know, I'm never going back to the movies. You know, I'm only streaming from now on. People like to go to the movies. It's yep. a fun activity to do. But with Disney, when Encanto became such a huge hit on Disney+, Plus, it kind of shook me a little bit because mm-hmm. I was like, oh, people might like, yeah, habits might have actually changed. I don't think, you know, we as we see now, habits clearly did not change. You know, people are going now like it was our weekend was up last weekend from 2019. Yep. You know. We're getting back to normal. Just think a year ago when In the Heights opened to 11 million or oh my God. the Hitman's Bodyguard 2 did like nine and a half million. That was the top movie of the weekend. Yep. You know, now yep. we got all these other big stuff. But with these Disney cartoons, I mean, I do think, you know, if there was a Frozen 3, if there was an Incredibles 3, like there's got to be some big brands coming out for them now. Right. But I do think for the smaller stuff, you know, Lightyear, The Strange New Worlds, whatever that is, those, I think, are impacted. And I don't know what you would do to solve that instead of just as opposed to just keeping these movies in theaters for 90 plus days, which they're not going to do anymore. You know, I don't know how you would solve that. I think all the live action stuff is fine. And I think some of the other cartoons are probably fine, too. Sonic 2 was a huge hit. The Bad Guys was you know, pretty decent hit, but with the Disney stuff, it's because so many families have Disney plus, mm-hmm. you know, they don't all have Peacock, right? You know, right. Whatever about that. But, you know, so many families have Disney plus they're going to, you know, they are more willing to wait for that. You know, they are kind of conditioned to just be like, Oh yeah, it's going to be on in like what, three weeks or something, four weeks, maybe. Right. I think it's like you said, habits, People have gotten back to their own habits of going to the theater, but certain brands have changed habits towards them. And I think Disney is a brand now that has gotten their fans to know, oh, Disney product will be on Disney Plus. Whereas something like Paramount, which we could talk about now, they've trained their fans to know Paramount movies are in the movie theaters. Tom Cruise has trained his fans to know Tom Cruise movies are in the movie theater. But Bob Chapstick has trained Disney fans that Disney movies, especially Disney cartoons and Disney stuff for kids, it'll be on Disney Plus soon. So Clayton, speaking of Paramount, I know before the show you wanted to touch on a new Paramount animated film that is not going to be in theaters. It's going to be on Paramount Plus. But we both think it maybe should have been in theaters. What What is that property, Clayton? Well, Beavis and Butthead Do the Universe just dropped today on Paramount+. Mm-hmm. Plus, mm-hmm. And I watched this film. I enjoyed this film. Mm-hmm. It's a tight, it's under 90 minutes. Oh, that's it's great. It's great, fast. It it really plays with these characters and, and I think might be able to reintroduce them or introduce them to a younger generation. And- Pat, we talked about whether or not this could have gone theatrical. Mm-hmm. And after seeing it, I just don't know because, you know, we're generation huh. butt, me and you. Yes. Austin is younger. He's a youngster. And I just don't even know if Beavis and Butthead is something that 
has you have any awareness of or any fondness for right. at your age. So, Austin, do you think this movie could have gone theatrical? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think it could have. I mean, we saw with the similar brand that Paramount had back in February, Jackass. And granted, I will admit, like, I way overshot that movie. Like, I'm glad I wasn't guesting on that week's podcast because mm-hmm. I said, like, I think Jackass is going to do, like, 40 plus. Mm-hmm. But with Beavis and Butthead, I think it could have probably did similar numbers to that. You know, 15, 20 million opening. Right. 50 million plus total, something like that. That right. sounds about right. You know, are those – I mean, Jackass is a huge brand, though. and But with Beavis and Butthead – there is that kind of, you know, it's been away for what, 20 plus years now, something like right. that. You know, Jackass has always kind of been around every, you know, five, six years, something's coming out from them. So I think there could have been a really solid, you know, nostalgia factor to that. I don't think it would have done like gigantic business, mm-hmm. especially if it's, I haven't seen it, but if it's a little smaller in scale, then I don't know, then, you know, whatever. I, you know, maybe it wouldn't have done like 50 plus, but probably could have made a tight, you know, 15 million opening, 40 million total or something like that, which I mean, that's the thing too, is that I never really understood with a lot of these streamers is that, and I get that there's a lot of more money that goes into actually putting a film theatrically, but mm-hmm. wouldn't you want that extra 40 million theoretically from theatrical, that heightened profile from PVOD, you know, yep. you get iTunes money, you get dvd money you know whatever left you know whatever's left from that and then you know you can go to paramount plus or you can debut it on paramount plus in 45 days but if it was inexpensive enough you know something high profile for their streamer i get it you know i don't think it would, i mean even the bob's burgers movie is kind of our more recent example of like mm-hmm. a more of an adult animated cartoon for a theatrical from a tv show and I mean, I just saw that recently and I was hooting and hollering. I love that movie, but same thing. Like I was like, I'm not surprised this did 30 million domestic. Like, yeah, I get it. I think Beavis and Butthead probably would have done better than that just because there's a nostalgia factor to it, but Mm -hmm. it wouldn't have been like some gigantic blockbuster. I I mean, I think that's such a good comp. And if Beavis and Butthead would have done better than Bob's burger movie money, then to me, it's a slam doink to just put it in the theater because, yeah. like we always say, it'll be a bigger draw on the streamer yep. if it had already been in theaters. You know, right now, Beavis and Butthead do the universe. I'm going to watch it, of course. There's probably a lot of people from my high school class who are going to watch it. We're going to text each other for the first time in years to say, Did you see Beavis and Butthead do the universe? Hey, did you have kids or you don't have kids? You know, we'll have that whole uh, exchange. But I think it's going to fade away quicker because it wasn't ever on the big screen, you know? And if they had just put it out a few weeks ago, I mean, maybe that week in between Maverick and the Dinos, and like you said, open to 15, legged out to 35, 40, 45 million you put it on Paramount Plus in July and it would have just been a bigger property. So uh, to me, that's a level where I still think it should have been in the movie theaters because it it wouldn't, you're right, it wouldn't have tanked. It wouldn't have opened at like $6 million. No, Paramount is on way too much of a roll right now. I mean, they, I think by putting it after Maverick too, 
you know they would have had the trailer before, like right yes. before Maverick, because it's yes. a Paramount film. Yeah. And I think that would have, and that actually could have been a really good play too, because that's kind mm-hmm. of playing to not the exact audience, but a similar eighties, nineties kind of audience, you know, yep. coming back and seeing that, you know, I think that could have actually, now that I think about it, now that you said that could have been a really solid play, but. Yep. And, and you could have had that cross promotion where you do the custom trailer where Beavis and Butthead are in the cockpit and they're, you know, they're doing their laugh and they, they say we're in the cockpit. I mean, it, it yeah, just it writes itself. It writes itself. You put Beavis and then listen, at this point, Tom Cruise is such a hero of theatrical and he's, he's, he's all in for his home studio Paramount. I do not put it past him that if they had said Beavis and Butthead do the universe is going theatrical, Tom Cruise doesn't do some kind of crossover with Beavis and Butthead, whether he's animated into their world, whether they're hanging out with him. I, 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 I yeah, that, that was a slam doink to open those back to back. Cause I think the three, those three talents really could have pulled something off together. I mean, I think it's, he's live action, they're cartoons, they're yeah. behind him in the cockpit. They laugh, they make jokes. He ejects them and then they yes. go flying, and it's it's perfect. I mean, it, like you said, it writes itself. Now, we also, Pat, over the weekend, watched another Paramount Plus movie, uh, Jerry and Marge Go Large. We did. Now, that, is, that was a specific streaming play. That yes. was Brian Cranston, Annette Bening. So, like a movie like that, you still ha- you're still going to have straight to streamer vi- movies. Like that's going to be a thing. But when you look at something like Beavis and Butthead, like you guys were saying, the the big problem is the ad spend. Is how much do they want to spend on ads, right? And I think with theatrical, if you have more people going to theatrical as a destination and not just choosing a movie to go to see. Like, I'm going to see Maverick. Instead, you want people to be like, I'm going to the movies. Because right. then, if you put something like Beavis and Butthead, do the universe in there, someone will stumble upon it. Yep. Someone will go, be like, I just want to go to the movies tonight, see what's playing. And they will see Beavis and Butthead, and they'll go see it. But now, with with it being, I'm going to go see this specific thing, that makes it harder for a movie like Beavis and Butthead to rise above the clatter, right? So yeah. I think if you get more of those IMAX screens, if you get more of those uh, premium large format screens and the the uh, theater becomes more of a just destination for everyone, you're going to mm-hmm. be able to give the theaters these movies and and save on that ad spend. Yeah, definitely. But But now having seen Jerry and Marge go large, I think that movie went the right size. The movie theater would have been too large for them to go. It's too large for March. It's, yeah, too, it's too large, large for, March for March and way too large for Jerry. Oh, um, absolutely. Yeah. Jerry couldn't handle it. I am so, kind of surprised. I mean, Paramount, they've been on such a roll lately mm-hmm. and their schedule is so light throughout the yeah. rest of the year that even like something like large March, like I maybe like in September when they haven't released a movie in two months, like how bad could that have done? Like that definitely would not have been a huge hit, but I think at this point they just kind of need something for their schedule throughout the rest of the year. But you know, they need something for their streaming service too. So I get it. 
Yeah, they, it might be a situation where they're on such a hot streak that now they you don't want to ever play scared because they don't want to have that first bomb. But listen, it's going to happen. Eventually, mm-hmm. Paramount's going to put a movie out and it's going to bomb, and that's okay. You know, so if it was going to be Jerry and Large go Marge, then you put that out there and you, it makes its $4 million open. It cries macho, and that's okay. You know, that, that'll happen once in a while. But mm-hmm. uh, the, 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 where they went uh, too safe is Beavis and Butthead do the universe should have opened in movie theaters. The, the fact that a youngster like Austin agrees, I think then that makes it clear because it's not that just the it. Gen X bias of, uh, of the B.O. boys. We've also got a youngster who wanted to see Beavis and Butthead in IMAX on 4DX. That would have been fun. Yeah, yeah. it would have been fun. But what is going to be fun is, guys... This coming weekend, we have two big new movies opening in addition to, you know, I would say three big holdovers from last weekend. So we have got uh, an upcoming top five that could go so many ways. So I think let's start talking about the movies coming out this weekend. I mean, let's start with Elvis, the presumed big new release. So speaking of something that is not just not for Austin's generation. I mean, Elvis is also not Clayton and I's generation. Elvis is, he predates Beavis and Butthead. Elvis predates the Jackass crew. You know, Elvis is from the, is he from the fifties, Clayton? Yeah, he's fifties. He's like fifties, sixties and seventies. But yeah, he, he debuted in the fifties. So this is a, I mean, nostalgia plays have become the lifeblood of movies the last few years, you know, Ghostbusters afterlife and star Wars movies and all these plays for, for, but those are usually for things that happen in the eighties and nineties. We don't get a lot of fifties IP coming back, but that is what Elvis is. He is fifties IP. So, I mean, I'll throw to you, Austin, people in their twenties, what is, their relationship to Elvis. Are you guys listening to Elvis at the gym? Are you you blasting Elvis out of the modern day cars that you're in, out of your Teslas and such? Like what 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 do 20-year-olds think of when they see Elvis on the marquee? Now with Elvis, I was so all over the map with this movie. And I will say that Elvis does have a recognizability factor to it. Everyone knows Elvis, you know, even Mm -hmm. if I'm not listening to Elvis in my Tesla, Mm -hmm. I, Mm -hmm. I know who Elvis is. Every single person knows who Elvis is. You know, they know a lot of the marquee songs, you know, you know, whether or not they actually would go out to go see a two and a half hour Elvis movie. That's different, but Mm -hmm. I am really high on this movie. I think it's going to do really well this weekend. Wow. I want to hear what you guys think about it too, because I think this is the closest we've had to an actual adult blockbuster film since before the pandemic, since like maybe Knives Out. Little okay. So so not counting Maverick in that realm, because Maverick is more of a popcorn action. Yeah. More adult drama, I guess. More, you know, Oscar play film. You know, something that really gets people, you know, more of an older, older crowd jazzed up, you know, the Oscar blogger crowd. We haven't really seen, I mean, there's been a lot of talk 
lately, you know, adults, you know, pre Maverick, I guess that Mm -hmm. older adults, they're still skittish about going to the movies. You know, we haven't really had a lot of big dramas do well in the last couple of years, you know, and it's gotten better, but Mm -hmm. still, you know, Downton Abbey two was some real sloppy seconds. And House of Gucci was, did okay enough, but I think in a better time that would have done so much better. Like, infinitely better that's still like it was like what 55 total you know that was fine for the time that it came out in but this to me feels more like once upon a time in hollywood Mm -hmm. knives out Mm -hmm. little women i mean i know i'm just pulling stuff from 2019 but once upon a time in hollywood is really the vibe that i get from this movie just a big glitzy you know sexy adult drama something that you just see the trailer and you just think it looks like a really good movie. And mm-hmm. Tom Hanks, I think this material with Tom Hanks really works. Like he's not, it's marquee, you know, character, marquee actor or mm-hmm. marquee character, big star actor. Yeah. You know, Tom Hanks ain't playing Elvis, but him being in this movie seals the deal, I think, for mm-hmm. anyone. And I think Boz Lerman does have a really good following too. Mm-hmm. And the and I would have said the thing that would have tanked this movie is if the reviews weren't that good. The reviews are pretty good so far too. So I'm not listening to Elvis, but I'm excited to see this movie. And it's- what about the Austin Butler effect? Because this this young man, I mean, he was in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And when was the last time we had a breakout young star? I mean, there is that level of, will he bring in the youngsters? Will he bring in the young women along with the older Mm -hmm. women who the older women love the original Elvis? Maybe. I mean, they've got to be in their 80s if they loved Elvis when he first came out. But the older audience is going to go see this is the is the assumption. But will younger girls look at Austin Butler and say, oh, he's a hot young star. I want to see his star-making role. Because look at the movies that have done well this summer. I mean, Tom Cruise, great star, but established. You have the Dinos, which are established stars, and Chris Pratt, who's an established star, even though his star is on the wane. But Austin Butler could be a guy that people go to see because they want to christen a new upcoming star. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, like Tom, listen, Tom Holland is a big reason why No Way Home did what it did and then why Uncharted was such a gigantic hit, and that is the young female audience. So if these young females, they're into Austin Butler and Elvis is just ancillary, you know, they're like, he's playing some, I don't know, a TikTok guy named Elvis. I I don't know who this Elvis is, but he sees Austin Butler is playing him. So if he gets the women to go out, that's an audience that goes to see things opening weekend and they go to see movies more than one time. If they love the movie, they love the actor. So that that is a huge factor. If if Austin Butler really is a draw for the females, then the, the young women, then that is going to really be the, the, the big factor in this getting to 40 million. Yeah. I think it could be like, you know, Timothy Chalamet, he has a huge like female following. Like people love Timothy Chalamet. So I think that could happen with him too. I don't know. Austin Butler doesn't really have the momentum that Timothy Chalamet Mm -hmm. had, you know, coming off of 
Little Women and uh, uh, the Peach movie that I can't think of the name of. Uh, call Me By Your Name. Uh, he did have a big following name, yeah. before that. Uh, but Austin Butler, I mean, I know he did stuff when I was a kid. He did some mm-hmm. like Nickelodeon stuff that I vaguely remember him from. But mm-hmm. he's kind of coming out of nowhere with this one. So I think it will be more more weekend to weekend based on that. Right. Right, so right. there'll be more buzz about his performance. And he, you know, from the reviews I've read, and I've read a lot of interviews about his method for acting, you know, his process of getting into this. And he seems like he's going to be a really big star from this movie. Mm-hmm. So I mm-hmm. think this weekend might be fueled more by the older audiences mm-hmm. and the holds these next few weekends might be more from the younger audiences. So Clayton, I'll throw to you on one thing, Austin, uh, or want to be oh boy, Austin, not Austin Butler said uh, earlier, Tom Hanks. So Tom Hanks, he's playing, uh, uh, he's playing the Colonel. He's in a fat suit. He's got a big crazy voice that he's doing. It is a big character, a big showy performance and kind of a non Tom Hanks esque character. Hanks usually plays the everyman. He plays the hero, the guy in over his head. This one, He's playing a guy who all he is is head. He's a giant head in this movie. Clayton, do you think Tom Hanks is going to be a a big factor in getting this movie to 40, maybe $50 million? Does the fact that Hanks is in such a crazy out of left field part, is that going to draw in the older audience? I mean, I know I'm intrigued to see specifically Tom Hanks doing this character. Well, Tom Hanks, let's just get this over with. He's a forever star. Of course. He has reached the point where he it doesn't matter how many Dave Eggers adaptations he does. Right. He is a forever star. Right. Right. I do think that Tom Hanks is going to be a draw because, yeah, I think older people, uh, older and younger people love him, but definitely people our, our generation and a little bit older he is a guy that we just love to see no matter what. If he wants to play a fun, different character, that's great because the last few movies he's been in that have been hits, he's played a pretty even keel type of guy, hasn't shown too much flair, but it's been great because we just love seeing Tom Hanks. This could be a very interesting thing, and I think there is a lot of curiosity because he's getting some bad reviews, but it always can be – you never know with critics. Mm -hmm. So I think people are going to want to see for themselves because they will give him the benefit of the doubt. I know I'm going to. Mm -hmm. So I do think he'll be a big – I think his presence is just a big draw for this. Mm Mm-hmm. So a couple of movies that we could throw out there as comps for this. I mean, I think the the best recent one is Rocket Man, which came out in May of 2019. It's the Elton John biopic. Obviously, Elton John is a more recent star than Elvis, but you know, same same type of thing, a star for the older crowd. And that opened to $25 million. And it got itself all that's domestically and it got itself to $96 million domestic. So almost $100 million domestic. So I think Elvis ideally is looking for more than that. You know, the Elvis wants to open in the 30s, 40s, end up definitely way north of $100 million. But 
uh, to me, I it, that does feel like the low end. You know, I don't see Elvis opening below Rocket Man. You know, I think if Elvis is opening around, uh, you know, around or lower than Rocket Man, then then there's big trouble. Um, and of course, if we're looking at Boz Lerman, his most recent movie is The Great Gatsby. Although, and I am surprised. I I totally thought there was other Boz Lerman movies since Gatsby in 2013. That, of course, opened to, I think, 50 million back in its opening weekend. Yes, exactly 50 million in May 2013. So that's nine years ago. So, I mean, I kind of feel like this is going to split the difference between the $25 million Rocket Man biopic and the 50 million last time Boz Lerman had a big movie out there. And, and to me, something in between that, something around, um, you know, 35 million, that I mean, feels Pat, right to got, me. You got to take into account how crowded this weekend is right with things that people want to see i mean that's the thing it's like you've got dinos who are still going strong you got maverick that's getting stronger somehow i mean and i think light year is good light year is going to be the light year might be the one that just falls all the way to i mean we'll get into our top fives but light year could go all the way to five light year might be the the lowest choice for everyone out of those five movies but then you still have Black Phone coming out, something that's really right. buzzy, getting really good reviews. It's a horror movie that's good counter-programming. So it's like Elvis is going up against competition. I would say if if they were if this was, you know, in August, I would go for this opening higher. But like I don't think 25 would be bad or a disappointment for this movie. Huh. I mean, I do. I know that was 2019, but Elvis should be beating Rocket Man because if you compare the casts, you know, you had basically up and coming stars in the lead roles of both. You had Taron Edgerton and you have Austin Butler. But Rocket Man didn't have a Tom Hanks in the big showy supporting role. So to me, and Elvis just looks like a bigger screen property. I mean, you know, Clayton, we've seen this trailer a bunch of times. We had seen the Elvis trailer, both of us online before we saw it in the movie theaters. And the first time we saw this trailer in the movie theater, we saw it together and we looked at each other and we said, oh yeah, this is a big screen movie. This plays differently on the big screen. You know, I think something like Elvis looks so much bigger than a rocket man did, you know, rocket man was a fine. Okay. Movie, but Elvis just seems like a big summer deal. So to me, I do think 25 million would be a disappointment for Elvis. I I think it's like, if it gets 30 fine, but 25 is feels a little low. Keep in mind, though, it's not getting a lot of PLFs. It's going to have no IMAXs. It'll have some Dolby stuff. It's going to have some Screen X. So we'll have a few. Mm. But, I mean, it's going to be playing at a disadvantage here Mm. because it's going to be on less screens than something like Lightyear. And it's not going to have a lot of PLFs. So that could cut into its box office. If you put this thing on IMAX, I mean, it's a different story. Yeah, I wish. I mean, listen, it goes back to what we've been saying the last few weeks. 
got to build these large format screens. You know, start that is building what, now. Start building them now. Every they should just start building them now. Start building them now. There's start, people out of work. Listen, get those people to work building IMAXs. Yes, yes. That that I mean, that's that's a type of thing that the movie theaters should be pushing, and and politicians should be pushing. You know, put our people to work building large format movie screens. So, I I guess I'll throw it to you guys. Then, what do you think would be a to you a disappointing number for Elvis? And and what do you think is the highest end? I guess give me your ranges here. I mean, to me, twenty five is disappointing. I feel like forty would be amazing, and I think it's going to come in in the thirties. But Clayton, what do you think is the low end of this? Like, do you think Elvis could open at like eighteen? Well, just to give you guys uh, something to play with here, Box Office Pro says it's tracking anywhere from 31 to 46 million, and their call on it is right. 38. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, that's again, I think 25 would be a real disappointment. So it's got to be in the 30s. And, and so, Austin, you're going big on this. What, it, what is your prediction for Elvis? I think you nailed it with that. If this somehow opens to like 23, I'll be pretty disappointed. Like, yeah. like you said, I felt the exact same way. I went with my girlfriend to go see the Batman movie back mm-hmm. in March. And I had not seen the trailer up until I saw it in this uh, RPX theater, big screen, huge sound, you know, great mm-hmm. sound. And I was like, damn, that looks like a really big, good movie. And I loved the rocket man movie, but you know, it definitely feels like a smaller movie compared to this. This feels yeah. like a, towering Baz Luhrmann epic, which is why I'm going to go a little bit bigger with it. I think a high end, I mean, if it beat Great Gatsby, which is honestly kind of what I was thinking for a second, Mm -hmm. but the deadline came out with an article, a weekend preview about a day ago that kind of shook me to my core a little bit. They were saying this, you know, there's a problem with definite awareness and, Mm -hmm. you know, interest Mm -hmm. in this movie but I do think, and it's something I'm going to take a chapter out of the Scott Mendelson playbook with this one. Oh, boy. Elvis had trailers before Top Gun. Because mm-hmm. I saw the trailer when I went to see Top Gun with my family for Father's Day. And that trailer looked really, really good. And the audience that was going to see Top Gun is pretty much the identical audience for Elvis. Yep. So yep. I got to assume, I think the best kind of marketing that you can have even better than Super Bowl spots and, you know, billboards all around Los Angeles. But I think the best marketing you can have is a really good trailer before a very similar movie Mm -hmm. that just happens to be a huge hit. And I think Elvis, I think people are kind of underestimating it with that. So I'm going to go big. I'm going to say not as big because about 24 hours ago, I was saying like 48 was my prediction coming into this. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say 42 is my okay. hard final number with it. I think it's going to overperform, not to a huge degree, but I think it's going to be a bigger hit than some people are expecting. And I definitely don't think Top Gun is going to be number one again this weekend. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is that is definitely the, the, the big rumor du jour in yeah. the box office world is that Top Gun. And Maverick could get to number one. So we'll 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 get to that with our top five predictions. And I agree. Listen, you can't go wrong going with a theory from the great Scott Mendelson. Yeah. And it makes so much sense that the audience that went to see a Tom Cruise movie and loved it 
and they see a trailer for a Tom Hanks movie. You know, it's it maybe Elvis is a 50s star, but Tom Hanks is an 80s and 90s star. So that audience is just going to say Tom Cruise, Tom Hanks. I'll see you next week. Um, Clayton, you mentioned the other big movie coming out this week, and that is Blumhouse's new horror movie, The Black Phone, starring Ethan Hawke. And mm-hmm. man, there is a lot of good buzz for this movie. A lot of good yeah. buzz coming out of the festival screenings, a lot of online buzz, and of course, tweets are in ticks. But for a horror movie like this, I do think that online buzz is important. You know, I yes. think that helps a lot more than it does for other movies. It's not going to help like a meme go go turn into box office, but horror movies need that online buzz, and this one has it, and it stars Ethan Hawke. And he's, he's one of the architects of Blumhouse yep. in the sense that he was one of the guys who did some of their smaller budgeted movies, took some points, took some back end, got rich off of it. He's coming home. Mm-hmm. I think that this is going to be big because like you said, Pat, I do think horror buzz online is important because the people who talk about horror online actually pony up and go see horror movies. They actually do it. They put their money where their mouth is. And this was moved into the summer because of confidence. And I have no reason to believe that this will not be a great counter-programming. So it's it's going anywhere between 17 and 22 is the tracking. Hmm. So there's a possibility that the top five could all be movies that are making over $20 million. I mean, less than Which would would be be amazing. I'm I'm going to go on the high end on this, and I'm going to go straight up 21 for this because mm-hmm. I do think people are itching for some horror. Your horror hounds, your gore heads, they haven't really had much to feast on, mm-hmm. and this seems to be the perfect kind of movie to feast on. Yeah. I mean, look at something like Candyman in, what, August of 2021, and even that movie opened to... 20 million, right? 22 million, I think, was the opening weekend. In a much worse time for box office, you still had a lot of people that had not gone back yet. And this movie, The Black Phone, feels like it has more momentum than even Candyman. It's got a known star in Ethan Hawke. I mean, I'm looking at, he's the one who started the Purge franchise in June of 2013. That opened to 34 million. I mean, I don't think this movie is going to do that. The Purge had just one of the great gimmicks of all time, but I agree. I think that there is a chance this movie could get to like 25 million. You know, if, if the buzz is good and it really explodes Saturday night and Sunday, so Austin, I'll throw to you. First of all, are you are you a horror guy? You know, I know you're a movie guy, theatrical guy, but is is horror something that gets you out no matter what the movie is, or do you need to be coerced to see a horror movie? No, I definitely need to be coerced to see a horror film. But with this, I actually think it looks really great. I think this looks fantastic. I'm not a horror guy per se. Mm-hmm. I just think, you know, unfortunately, I like, you know, obviously the elevated, you know better horror films but mm-hmm. you know it's not something i race out to see immediately but this it's got a really killer hook mm-hmm. it's got a good you know a star in ethan hawk and something like this i think he is a star i mean sinister the purge 
you know, he's built up a good reputation. Blumhouse, they've had some fits and starts in the last couple of years. I feel like, you know, some stuff works, some stuff didn't, but they put out like 10 movies a year. So some stuff is obviously going to stick, but yeah, I think this is going to do well. I'm just worried because I was like, I think if there is one film that might get a little lost this weekend, it might be this one. Mm -hmm. I actually think this was probably better off around March when we had like three weekends when there wasn't anything between Batman and Lost City, I said, this absolutely should have opened capitalized on like a South by Southwest festival run. And Mm -hmm. it probably would have opened really well. It would have held really strong. I think throughout the whole spring, I think putting it in late summer or I'm sorry, early summer. That's great. I mean, that shows that they really have confidence in it. That's a good power play, especially going into the 4th of July weekend. But I do think that since Top Gun is so overperforming, since Jurassic World is even doing better than I thought it was going to, and Lightyear, you know, it's not doing great, but that's not making nothing. And, uh, you know, obviously Elvis, I think, is going to be a little bit bigger this weekend. I think this is, it's not going to disappoint. I think it is going to end up in the tracking. But I think if there is one film that might get a little lost, it's potential kind of got short shifted a little bit. It might be this one. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I think the big thing I I could see why Blumhouse put out in the summer because they love those summer movies. You know, they love their, the purge is all opened in the summer. So Blumhouse wants to always have a, 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 like a foothold into the summer. And maybe they think we're going to have five summers in a row of black phone movies. Who knows? It does have a great mask. And I think that is a really important factor for horror franchises is just having that cool mask on the poster, you know, your Michael Myers mask, your Jason mask, your purge famously had the mask with God written backwards or upside down or whatever, or it had a question mark. I forget, but it had God on the mask and everyone loved it. So I think black phone has a good mask. It's got a good hat on top of a mask. So it's, it's got some, things going for it for sure. Um, but I do, yeah, I definitely see your point about something's going to get crowded out, you know, so something in this top five, I, I don't think all five movies, unfortunately are going to make $20 million. I think, I think something's going to just miss out on it. Um, but I don't think the black phone is going to be that movie. That's, that's my prediction. So you're thinking light year. It's funny because it feels like me and Austin are, are swapping kind of box office between Elvis and yes. Black Phone. Yeah. He's higher on Black. He's higher on Elvis. Thinking more people will go see that, and I'm thinking Elvis is going to get a little bit squeezed by everything else, including mm-hmm. Black Phone. So that's interesting, though. I mean, I mean, it could go either way. I think Pat. So you're thinking Lightyear is going to make under 20. That is that your I think, prediction. I mean, we I need think to get into light years fives. I think light year is going to have a 60 plus percent drop which would put it at about 19 million dollars. I think light year could drop 62% and if that happens, that movie's making 19 million dollars this weekend. So that oh, that's that that's crazy. where my head is. crazy. So, I mean, do we do we have anything else we want to say specifically on Black Phone or is it time for us to just get get to it and predict what is the the possibly the wildest top five that we have had in three years at the box office. 
It's so exciting. I think we should get into these top fives. And and Austin, if you if you want to, since you are the guest, yes. we would love you to go first. It's a lot of pressure, but we think you can handle it. I'll try. I will say for number one, I think Elvis, I'm not gonna say I'm not gonna say a slam doink, but mm-hmm. I do think Elvis has a pretty good shot at number one. Like I said, I think around 42 million sounds about right. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is pretty much my main comp for that one. I'm going to go to Top Gun Maverick. I don't think it's going to hold as well as some people think it is. I think last weekend was so inflated by Father's Day, which Mm -hmm. is great. I mean, it deserved it. But, you know, it was up like 25% from Sunday to Sunday. So it's going to deflate a little bit more than I think some people are expecting. I don't think it's going to drop over 50% or anything like that, but... Mm -hmm. I definitely think it's going to see more of like a 40 plus percent drop. So let's say like 25, 26 million for that one. And I think Jurassic World is just going to plummet. I think that was also pretty heavily inflated by Father's Day. I think it was down like 40% Sunday to Sunday, which is like incredible for a film second weekend, something like that big. So I think that is just going to plummet. I think that's going to do 24-ish. I got to go four. I mean, light year. I would not be surprised if this drops like 60 plus percent. Like you said, it's kind of a loser. You know, people don't go to support, even if film is fantastic. If it's a week of bad headlines, there's really not a chance of a recovery in second weekend two, unless it's something really incredible, which this doesn't really seem like it is, but I'll still say like 22 million. Maybe I still think it makes it to 20 and I got to go five black phone. I think it's going to do like 19, 19 and a half. I think it's still going to do really well, but, and I hope it does crack, it does crack 20, mm-hmm. but I think it's just going to barely miss out on it. That, I mean, that is a great top five prediction. I mean, I'll go next because mine is basically the same as Austin's other than I would flip flop black phone and light year. I think that, I mean, I'll say number one is going to be Elvis. And I think Elvis gets to like 35 million. Number two, Top Gun Maverick around 30 million, maybe, maybe a little less, maybe 29. Dinos are going to be third, just under Maverick. But number four, I've got the black phone. I think it makes its 20 million and then just squeaks by Lightyear, which is going to come in in my prediction, number five at 19 million and just fully solidifies itself as the bust of the year and Bob Chapstick is going to is is going to be smeared once again after Lightyear drops under 20 million at second weekend. So that's my top 5 prediction. All right. So, uh do you you guys want to get nuts? Yeah, let's get nuts. Let's get nuts. Okay. So I, you're going to do it. I know it. I'm going to do it. I have to do it. I got to go for it, right? Don't think, just do. Top Gun Maverick, number one. And I think these IMAX screens, I think there's just, there's, this is a phenomenon and you can't count out a phenomenon. Mm-hmm. But number two will be Elvis. I think it's going to do in the high 20s, maybe 30s. I mean, listen, I'd like this thing to open up to 50. I, I mean, listen, if it, if it was Bohemian Rhapsody, I'd be over the moon. Mm-hmm. I just don't see it. So 
it's going to be number two. Then Jurassic World Dominion. Then I'm looking at Black Phone too. I think Lightyear drops like a stone. So my number five is also Lightyear. I had to go big because why not? You only live once. Yeah. I mean, listen, we, no matter whether Maverick opens one or, or two this weekend, either way, Maverick is one of the great box office stories of our lifetime. This is a generational box office story. But if it does get to number one this weekend, uh, this will be the type of thing that, we haven't seen, I, I mean, we're starting to then talk Titanic, not mm-hmm. of course in where it's going to end up final total, of course not, but just in terms of story, if Maverick gets to number one this weekend and it's what fourth weekend in release in the summer, you know, this is not something that is doing this in, in the dregs of early September, you know, Maverick is doing this in the heart of the summer. If it gets to number one this weekend, this is the type of story that needs to be front page in every newspaper in America on Monday morning. I agree. I Above agree. the fold. Absolutely. Above the fold. Yeah. So, all right, guys. I mean, what a weekend. I am so glad that Austin was able to join us to predict what is going to be a historic box office weekend. So, Austin, tell the wannabe O boys, wannabe O girls, wannabe O people. People. Uh, where they could look for you and your work, you know, whether it's now or, or down the road, what, what, what could the one, uh, what could everyone start getting ready for? Well, I am, uh, I'm an actor right now and I have a couple different projects coming up, you know, local film projects, local shows. Uh, if you want to check out my IMDB at Austin Gallego, you know, I have a show coming up called unusual attraction, That'll be a lot of fun. It'll be coming out hopefully around the fall. I just finished filming a film for the same people who made that show called Slap Straight, which is just a really funny comedy. That'll be a ton of fun to watch. That'll also be coming around late summer, early fall, hopefully. Yep. Uh, you wanna, uh, if you want to go on the Luminary Figures group page, uh, the website, they uh, have the whole list of stuff of everything coming out on them. Yeah, and just hopefully a lot more local projects coming up. That's awesome. I mean, Austin, I can't wait for you to to bust out, become a big star, and you know, to have a star someday who is interested and in talking about and, and, and truthful about their own box office. That'll yeah. be so refreshing. You know, I'll never be yes on the show. Never. Yes. Even, you know, when your movie's open you will come on this show and we will honestly talk about hopefully how it made Bafa Bobo and was a giant hit. But no matter what, I know even when it comes to your own movies, you will always talk straight about the box office. If my movie cries macho, I will let you, I will speak truth of it. That, that is so great to hear. Uh, uh, if only every star was, was that honest, <laughs> we'd be in a, in a better place. Absolutely. Um, so, of course, also, listeners, email us at the B.O. Boys podcast at gmail.com. We love reading your emails. We love talking about uh, your great thoughts on the box office. Listen, and then that is the platform where you could bust out and get yourself on the B.O. Boys. I mean, you have to earn it. Someone like Austin has been writing incredible emails for, for a long time now, but he earned his way onto this show 
So you too, if you work hard enough and you you take your vitamins and say your prayers and you email the BO boys at the BO boys podcast at gmail.com, you too could end up right here. So there you go. Inspirational, Pat. Uh, I don't think there's anything left to say. No. Except till next time. We'll smell you at the box office. Nailed it. Nailed it.